0: Right, well, good morning, Church. How are we? Good. good. man, it's good to see you guys this morning. If you're first time here, I'd like to say a special welcome to you. My name's Buck. Uh, I get to serve you as the campus pastor here at Connection Church, Dublin. I'm very honored, uh, humbled and thankful that God has allowed me to do that. And uh, one of the things we love to do at our church is to celebrate. See, our mission statement is very simple. Everything we do, everything we think about, uh, is all centered around one idea, and that's connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh, last week, uh, I miss you guys, but I pray uh, you enjoyed Dallas as he came and preached the Word of God to us. And we had three men respond, and say so they wanted to give their life to Jesus Christ. So, so we just take a second and say thank you, Lord? And don't you guys love that God's in control? Uh, amen. And so uh, one thing that's cool about that uh, is the fact that all those men were from Florida. They were actually relocated here because of the storm. And, uh, you know, they may have been running from a storm, but they ran head on and ran into Jesus. So isn't that awesome uh, that God's in control and he has a plan? (laughs) Another thing I would like to say is that a couple weeks we have baptisms coming up. And to me, that's one of my most favorite things we do here at Connection. See, what we believe about baptism is this, is it's an expression outwardly of what God has already done personally. So we celebrate the heck out of that because uh, that's awesome. And so if... God's been dealing with you about where you're at spiritually or feel like baptism's your next step, Um, see us at the Next Steps table and we'd love to talk to you uh, a little more about that. All right? Cool. Man, I'm excited for today. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. Um, uh, Dallas, he's a mess, isn't he? Right? And just so y'all know, we have our next all-staff meeting. That means all of our campuses, all four of our campuses are meeting together in a couple weeks. And so... Uh, we're leading off the meeting with a push-up contest. So uh, I need you to do two things. One, make sure I go to the gym between now and then. And secondly, man, be praying for me. I cannot lose to that fool in front of our staff, okay? Um, For those that weren't here, he challenged me to a push-up contest in front of our whole congregation. So uh, my back's against the wall, and I've got to come out fighting. All right? Cool. All right, so this series uh, that we're calling A Better Story, I just want to break that down real quick and really tell you the heart of uh, what this series is all about. Um, and really what it's all about is our identity. Okay? One thing I believe about every person on the planet is that we want to answer three things. Okay? Number one is this who am I? Right? When no one's looking, when it's just you alone, who who really am I? Alright? The second thing is this why am I the way I am? Okay, how many of you have ever done something and you've responded and you know like, man, I should not have done that. Why do I act this way? Why do I struggle with these feelings? Why am I the way I am? And then the last thing I believe is this, is what is my purpose here? Okay, what is my purpose here? Right, if no one's looking at the end of the day and we're alone, I believe that we all have come to a point in our life where we ask ourselves those questions and see what a better story is all about is we want to uncover those. And really, it's all about this, is that we believe that once you understand who you are in Christ and who God's Word says you are in Christ, God wants to write a better story for your life than your circumstances or experiences tell you is possible. Okay? And I believe the biggest thing that holds us back is not that um, we don't believe that God's real or something like that. We don't truly understand who we are in Christ. Right? It's almost like I see... Christianity, kind of like this, is a lot of people uh, see it at a distance, okay? But they never step into the truth and the power that comes with knowing Christ. And so that's really what I'm going to be talking about uh, today, and that's what it's all about. Um, if, if you're interested in that, I want to tell you this series comes from uh, a, a sermon series. Our pastor, our senior pastor, Brandon Williams in Statesboro, preached about four years ago and he actually just wrote a book and published it and it's called a better story. And y'all I've read it and it just encouraged me so much and it really digs down deep and answers those questions of why we're here and, and what we're here to do. And see about four years ago uh, he was about at his breaking point. Okay. Pastor in a church, God was blessing it unbelievably, but see when no one was looking when he was all alone, he was dealing with a lot of those issues. Okay, And he had reached this breaking point and had gone out to the blessing ranch, and, and God had really uh, spoke to him in a powerful way. And so that book's all about how God wants to write a better story for your life. And if you would like to get one of those, they're available at the Next Steps table. All proceeds are going to go to the one-on-one fund, which is what funds everything with our local outreach, church planting, and global missions. The one-on-one project is why our church exists. So I want to encourage you with that and tell you um, about those things, okay? All right, cool. Let's read. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. And this is what it says. And, and kind of today, I'm, I'm going to focus on this first text and really uh, set it up and really get to the heart of what I want to uncover today. And then at the end of the sermon, I want to talk about replacing the lies the enemy uses with God's truth. Okay, So really focus on the first part of this verse. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Would you guys pray with me for the message today? Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for waking us up this morning. God, I'm personally just thankful that your word's true. God, that your word carries more weight than my emotions. God, that your word carries more weight than our circumstances. And God, I just pray that today, in, in all honesty, that you would just come and speak to us through your word. God, I know today some of the topics will be heavy. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would, um, you would truly help us seek to know who we truly are in Christ. God, that we would understand and begin to uncover our true identity. God, you love us more than we could ever know. God, you, you sent your son Jesus to the cross to, to pay in our stead. And God, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do is to preach about the good name of Jesus. So, Lord, right now, if there's any selfishness or anything um, uh, in me that would stop that from happening, God, I just pray right now uh, on the authority of your word that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, Lord. God, I need you right now, and we thank you for this time in thy name. Amen. Amen. All right, cool. So has anybody ever played rec ball before? Any rec ball players? Almost everyone. Even if it's t-ball and girls, you got sweaty and you quit. Like I understand, okay? I've got a little girl. She's like a prancy dancer. I played all these sports and Bella like wants to sing and dance and stuff, okay? I don't understand it. Um, But the good news is I found out yesterday I got a baby boy on the way. So I'm about to get to praying. Yeah? Yeah. that I get to take him to the ball field and he turns out to be like a dude, you know what I mean? Like likes to play sports and and uh, a stud. But anyway, I want to take you back to nine-year-old Buck. Okay, nine-year-old Buck was very wormy and scrawny. His head was a little too, uh, a lot too big for his body. Okay, um, Coach, you'll stop laughing. Um, but, but in might ball, okay, this was the year I was so excited about you finally get the chance to make All-Stars. Back then, uh, you didn't get to bake All-Stars until the nine and ten-year-old league. Now they've got them in like four-year-old traveling ball playing on Sundays, right? Uh, times have changed a touch. But back when I was nine, all right, I began to play. And I'll never forget, it. I played second base for the Yankees, okay? My little scrawny self. And uh, man, I, I, I was pretty decent in the field. And like I said, I was this wormy little kid. And I couldn't hit it out of the infield real good, but I was a pretty good contact hitter. And and uh, my dad would take me, and we would practice some on and off, and and practice a little bit. But man, I was so fired up to make all stars, right? I just knew at that, that last game, man, I was going to see my name on that roster. And back then, they had two teams. The blue team was like the good kids, usually ten year olds, and then the red team was like kids like me. And um, and I thought, man, I would make one of the teams. And so we played our last game as the Yankees. Uh, we were pretty mediocre, I think, and um. But I ran to the water fountain, I'll never forget it, at, at Line Drake Department, and I saw it there on the wall, the all-star team. And guess whose name wasn't there? Me. Right? And so then uh, I went into this, this devastating cry thing, like when you've been watching soap operas for 12 years and your favorite character dies, like that kind of cry, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm just devastated. I mean, I am absolutely devastated. My dad, like, was not prepared for this. I mean, it was like literally a family member died. And... Uh, I remember thinking that the image and, and what was spoken to my heart was you're not good enough. You, you didn't make the team. You didn't measure up, right? And so from there on and um, later on I went to learn that my dad, I was actually like on the fence about making the team and my dad uh, had some big plans for the lake and the coast and he told the all-star coaches I'd just leave him off this year, right? Devastated his son. Uh, thanks, to, I've forgiven him, sort of. But uh, anyway, the next year, uh, uh, when I was a 10-year-old, we practiced every day because my dad didn't want to see me hurt. And so I worked super hard to, to have this great performance. I played third base and made the blue team and then went on to have a pretty good baseball career throughout school and all those sorts of things. But the reason I, I'm all saying this is, for me, that circumstance began to shape my life, Okay. Now, if you remember last week, Dallas talked about this, is that when God created us in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make mankind in our own image, okay? So imagine waking up to a perfect identity, knowing who you are, all right? A child of God created in his image, knowing whose you are, that God is my father. He loves me. He affirms me. And then knowing what you're supposed to do, to work the garden and to enjoy its fruit, Okay? To to work the ground of the field, to to love your wife or your spouse. At that time, it was Eve, right? There wasn't a lot of uh, picking to do, okay? You kind of had your one woman. And to enjoy God. No hurt, no shame, no guilt, no death, no anything. A perfect identity. That seems like a far cry today. Would you not agree? And so what happened, and Dallas told us about it in Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent came and he said to Eve, Eve, did God really say? Right? Sitting in perfection. God doesn't want this for you. God's holding this back from you. And Eve partakes of the forbidden fruit. Sin comes into the world and devastates this perfect identity. Okay? And so really what I want to get you to the point of is this. If we're all honest with ourselves, everyone on the planet is in an identity crisis. Beginning to try and learn who we are, whose we are, and we come into this world separated from our Savior, from our image-bearer, right? How many of you know God created us in, our own, in His own image, right? He created us in His own image. He, he had a good things for us in mind when He created us because He made us like Him. And see, so you see this is because we've been separated from our image-bearer, we begin to place and build our identity on anything we can get our hands on. That the circumstances of our life begin to shape our identity, Okay? And what happened that day on that Mike Ball field is this, is that my life began to be shaped around the idea of I had to achieve to be approved of. And I'm going to come back to this later. But what I would define that moment is this, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is the title of the sermon. Everything I want to uncover in the next 10 to 15 minutes is this. That was a sore spot, okay? Sore spots. Everything we're going to be focused on today is sore spots. And the fact that we've all been shaped by different circumstances in our life and that we've got to begin to uncover, okay, what is my true identity? What is true and what is not? Okay? So if you're taking your notes, taking notes, I want you to write this down. Point number one, we all have sore spots. Every one of us. We all have things in our life that has shaped us in some way. And what a sore spot is this? And I want you to define this. Anything that brings on worry, anxiety, and ultimately condemnation. Hear that again. Anything that brings on worry, anxiety, and ultimately condemnation. And so what what is condemnation, you say? Condemnation is this. Anything that that speaks into your life that that says, I don't measure up. I can't. I won't. Shame. Guilt. Feeling of worthlessness. Feeling of hopelessness. Everything that leads to that place where you begin to see that I, I don't measure up. I cannot make it. And what I want you to know is that the enemy will use sore spots to keep us from understanding what our identity is in Christ. We just read it. In John ten ten. it says, For the enemy comes to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you, he's not a multitasker. Did y'all know that? He's got one job. And that's to look at your life and say, How can I begin to separate this person? How can I begin to, to destroy this person's life? He's a master of lies, y'all. And he's been using the same one over and over again. And it's that now, God's design and purpose is not for you. You could never be. You're not worthy of God. And so I want to walk you through um, a few examples of what sore spots might be in your life. And I want to give you a warning real quick, okay? This could get heavy. In other words, this could stir up some, some stuff maybe you haven't uncovered in a while. Or maybe something you didn't know was there. But I want to tell you something about this series is this is that it's going to build on itself each week. And ultimately, my heart for you, y'all, and it's my heart every week. I'm a pretty straightforward person. I lay my cards on the table. One is this. I want you to have a real, solid, true identity in Christ, to have a real relationship with Christ. And second, I want you to wake up with confidence in who you are and whose you are. Hear that again. I want you to wake up every day with confidence in who you are and whose you are. All right? Because I promise you that's God's heart for you. All right? So, let's talk about this. What's an example of a sore spot? Some of you may be dealing with the issue of the father wound, okay? Maybe your experience with your father, maybe your experience with your mother or your caregiver has been one that hasn't been ideal. And then when that issue comes up, those same old feelings begin to come up, right? Anger, frustration, condemnation, and and all those things begin to get stirred in you. And it leads you to a place that you know you can't experience the joy in Christ because of the father wound. Another example is this. Maybe it's a past relationship, right? Maybe it's the person that you put all your stock in that this person will complete me. This is my, my person, right? Or maybe it was a friend. And what happened was this relationship ended terribly. And every time it's poked, every time it's touched, that same old feeling begins to well up, Right? same old feeling of worthlessness. That same old feeling of of hurt. And if this person doesn't approve of me, who will? How how could God ever approve of me? Maybe another one is this is the comparison trap. All right? This especially applies to ladies or men. Um, Every day we wake up and what we begin to do is compare ourselves of, man, he has this. Or she is much, much prettier than me. Or maybe you, you look up in the mirror and you think, I, I don't like what's looking at me. Why am I the way I am? Why, why do I look this way? Or, or maybe for men, it's finances, right? Of he has more than me, and I don't measure up because of that. Look at the screw-ups in my past. That, that defines me. I could never measure up. I can never overcome what I've done. Everybody in the town knows I'm this. Everybody in the town knows I've done this. I'm, 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 I'm not going to make it. I'm, not, I'm worthless. Maybe some of you is this, and I want to speak to myself right here. Maybe it's a bad church experience, right? That maybe coming into here is painful, okay? I want to tell you, I've, I've experienced this one. This is a sore spot for me. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Or maybe it's this. It's just in general, people have let you down. How many of you know people will let you down, right? They're fallible, just like me. Okay? They'll let you down. And maybe these are sore spots you've had in your life. And what they do is this, and I want to give you an example. Uh, They say to you, I I could never be blank. I could never uh, do this. I could never be this. Because I've done this, I'll never be this. Because of blank, this life's going to be awful. Because of blank, I'll never find someone again. Because of blank... This will happen. But I want to tell you something. Let me speak some truth into your life right now. Romans 8, 1 says, There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And I want to tell you something. Those words and those whispers of the enemy, they are just that. They are a lie from the enemy. All right? Hear that one more time. If you tune me out the rest of the day, understand this. Those words are lies from the enemy. They do not come, out from, they do not come from our heavenly Father. Okay? Can I get an amen to that? Thank you. That they're a lie. And that's today what I want to uncover is this. And I would like for you to write this down and take it with you. This is a life statement I find myself saying on a lot of days. God's Word carries more weight than our circumstances. Hear that again. God's Word carries more weight than our circumstances. To put it simply, what He says is true, okay? And my circumstances are not the ultimate truth, okay? What his word says is true. So the second thing I'd like to spend our time doing before I begin to uh, replace these lies with the truth is this. I want you to write this down. Ask yourself this question. And really, you've got homework this week, okay? And it's not going to be long. It's not going to be bad. But I want you to answer this question. What is my sore spot? Okay? I want you to take that down. What is my sore spot? And if it's okay with y'all, you all you do mind if I'm transparent with you for a minute? Y'all good with that? It's okay for the preacher to be honest? I, I'm going to share my sore spot with you. You see that Mike Ball game? That, that nine-year-old game? It started to begin a trend in me that carries on to this day. All right? Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I know some of you, you only see me on Sundays here on the stage. But what happened in that day and what began to happen with my father and, and with... Um, my growing up, is I began to believe that my identity was found in how others approved of me, okay? That as long as I was achieving, as long as I was successful, as long as others said I belonged, okay, I, I was deemed worthy. That was my identity. Y'all, everything I did was for the approval of others, okay? Hear that again. That means, uh, uh, what I began to learn is this, is when I was successful at sports, my father was fired up for me, Okay? And, and this is not a knock on my dad. My dad's phenomenal. I, I'm blessed to have my father. But I, I, when I was successful, okay, people were approving of me. They were proud of me. When I followed the rules at school and I brought home A's, people were proud of me. People approved of me, right? When, when my, my dad, when I did all the things right and I was a good kid, over and over again, it was approval, approval, approval. I'm proud of you. And guess what began to happen? Things were only good in my life when when things were going right, when I was getting that approval from others. Okay, And let me tell you what happened this cycle. I went off to college, and guess what? Guess who I was? Gaining the approval of whoever was around me. I lived a chameleon lifestyle, that everything I did was about making sure others were approving of what I was doing. Right. And what began to happen is this, is when um, I began to ask who I was in Christ, what I began to understand was I had the same view of God as I had of my father and others. That as long as I could follow the rules good enough, God would approve of me. Okay, As long as I would follow the rules well enough, God would approve of what I was doing. And then guess what? As I went on into my workplace, you know what, got, you know what happened? I was approved of and my identity was found as long as I, I, I was being successful. And if I could tell you guys something and, and just being honest with you, this carries over into ministry. That this is my sore spot. Because you may just see me on Sunday, but you know what I wrestle with? Lies from the enemy every day? Is that you're going to fail. You're, you're, you're an awful pastor. You're an awful preacher. That the, the first time I make a mistake is those same old questions of, oh, they don't approve of you. You're, you're done. You're through. Right? And that I believe that my relationship with God all depends on how well I'm doing, right? Can anybody relate with this, I hope? I pray I'm not the only one. And that every day I I wake up and I want to achieve things. And I want to tell you something. I I want to give you some... Some, some truth right here. I believe it with all my heart that God's given us a great vision to reach this city and to reach the communities around it. I believe we're going to continue to see hundreds and hundreds come to know Jesus. I believe that we're going to see a change that can only be uh, taken credit for by God. And y'all, by the grace of God, we had over 50 people come to know Christ since we've been here. Amen? Amen. But let me tell you something. That doesn't define me. Okay? And that what defines us is how God sees us. Okay? That if something happened tomorrow and the the doors were shut, that God's still God and I'm still who I am in Christ. Amen? And I'm thankful that that's how we can wake up every day. And so I want to share that with you and tell you is this, is that when I began to uncover this sore spot, that it began to lead to freedom for me, freedom to live for God and not run from God. All right? And so this is why I want to help you, and I want you to write this down. How do I uncover my sore spot? How do I uncover my sore spot? And I want to tell you, this will be painful. This will be difficult. But this is the homework for this week, okay? I want you to write down a how I got here message, okay? How I got here. I want you to go back at the very start of your life, okay, at the very start, and begin to write down the circumstances you've experienced and how they begin to shape you. Many of you, you're going to uncover things about your parents. You're going to uncover things about your relationship. If there's something in your life you're having a hard time letting down, you're going to learn that there were sore spots that began to shape who you were and whose you were. All right? I can't promise you it won't be painful, but I promise you in this is that uh, because you'll begin to root out those sore spots, God will begin to start writing a better story in your life. Okay? Can we do that? And what I want you to do is this. What, what circumstances cause my sore spots? And begin to under, under understand and identify those sore spots so that you, begin, you can begin to heal. And see, what I want for you, I want to say this again, is that you would wake up confident in who you are, but also whose you are. Amen? Can we do that? Amen. Cool. All right. Now, time to replace these lies with God's truth. Turn with me to Romans 8, chapter 1. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, real quick. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And this is what I want to say, and what I I I want to begin to speak truth uh, over you and into you is this, is Romans 8, chapter 1, and this is what it reads. And I want you to think about those sore spots. I want you to think about the things that, that make you feel inept, inadequate, why you can't measure up to God. Anybody ever had that that T-Rex view of God? That he's this big monster guy way far away and he's always doing this? How many of you would say you've experienced that, God? Amen? This is what I want to speak over your life right here. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Okay? Hear that again. Let that resonate a minute. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? So everything revolves around answering this question, what does it mean to be in Christ? So if there's no condemnation, what does it mean to be in Christ? So everything to experience this is to know that you are found in Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Amen? I'm glad you asked. And I want you to write this down. Everything depends on a relationship with Christ. It has nothing to do with your work, everything to do with His grace. Hear that again. It has nothing to do with your work, everything to do with His grace. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. It says in verse 7, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. What grace means is God's unmerited favor on your life. That means that He loves you. He approves of you. Before you ever took a step, God, before the creation of the world, had literally knit you together in your mother's womb. That He knew who you were. He knew how you would turn out. And this is the thing. Knowing all the mess you've done, I want you to think about the thing in your life that you're most unproud of. God knew you in that moment, and guess what He did? He sent Christ anyway. Amen? Isn't that a good father? And so... I'm, I'm about to. I'm a, I used to be a coach, so I like to get fired up a little bit. I want to speak to what I believe is the biggest sore spot in the church, okay? And I want you to write this down. The church's biggest sore spot is religion. Hear that again. The church's biggest sore spot is religion. And if y'all are cool, I'm going to let God's word kick that sucker in the teeth right now. Are y'all good with that? For about 10 or 15 minutes, I, I want to kick that down and, and speak on the truth of who God says we are. See, where we live, I really do believe. Religion is the biggest enemy of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, of why people won't experience it, okay? Why people will never walk out of life in freedom and truth and joy. is because of uh, religion, okay? Turn with me to Romans chapter 9, verse 30 through 33. And this is what it says, and, and just to give you a little context so you'll know what I'm preaching on, what I'm talking about is this. Paul is writing a letter to Rome, the capital of the world, and he's just gotten done earlier in this chapter talking about how sovereign God is and how, control, how in control God is. And he's getting ready to speak on Israel's unbelief. Okay, And once you begin to read the Bible, you'll begin to understand that uh, the, the old Israel, the people, uh, the Pharisees, the, the Israelites were very much like religious people today. And that everything they based on their relationship with God and how much God approved of them is how good their works were how perfect they could be. And if I could get perfect enough, God would approve of me and that I am better than you because I have gotten better at my works. Okay? Now listen to this. This is uh, Paul preaching to Israel's unbelief and speaking life into it. It says this, verse number 30. It says, What shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. Basically what he's saying is people that were not Israelites, people, uh, Gentiles, all across the world, Gentiles received the righteousness of God and they weren't even looking for it. Okay? They weren't even looking for it. That They've been made righteous before God. It says they did not pursue righteousness, but they've obtained it. So how did they do that? How did they get right with God? How did they have a right relationship with God Without doing anything. Check this out. And and if you tune me out the rest of the day, check this out. I want you to to underline this in your Bible. Um, It says, a righteousness that is by faith. 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 What is faith? That's this. That's stepping somewhere even when you don't know what it's going to look like. Trust in something you can't see yet. See, the book of Corinthians says we walk out this life by faith, not by sight. Okay? Okay? In other words, it's not the things we tangibly see, but it's faith in the one we haven't seen yet. Amen? And confidence of who he is and who he says we are. We want this life out by faith. Verse 31, it says, But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not obtained their goal. Hear that again. So the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not obtained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it, not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. I want to stop right there, and I want to tell you something, and just speak to what may be your experience here. And I believe that religion and religious people have kept themselves from coming to know Christ, but more importantly, keeps people from coming to know Christ. Amen? And so I want to speak truth into this right now is that some folks may believe that their, their relationship and rightness with God is this, is that they had a, a, maybe an emotional experience. Some person told them they're wrong, and that they started to try and live more right, right? And that my trying to live more right is earning my favor with God. That, man, you know, what I hear all the time is, well, I got in the church. Man, that's awesome. I'm glad, Okay. But the reality of it is is you can't go to church enough to earn the favor of God. You can't go uh, and do uh, enough church functions to earn the favor of God that you can't go and do uh, an, enough little bit of cussing to earn the love of God. Right? You guys feel me? But in our society, that's what we deem good Christian, wretched sinner. Right? Well, let me tell you something. And speaking some truth right here. God doesn't want or need your good works. God just wants you. Hear that again. God doesn't want or need your good works. He just wants you. And see, here's the thing. This is the truth. I have the hardest time believing is that knowing my foul ups and knowing uh, how I mess up and I am wrong and how much flaws I have in my life. I have a hard time believing when I wake up in the morning and I open up my Bible that God's for me, that he's with me. That there's nothing I've done or haven't done that has uh, fallen me out of his love, but rather God is for me. He's with me. See, it has nothing to do with your work. It has everything to do with his goodness, his grace. And that when we understand the truth of the gospel, we don't follow God to earn his love. We follow God because we know we have his love. Amen? That everything we do is live out of a relationship with God and not trying to earn a relationship with God See, I believe this. I believe there's many church people, elders, leaders, who have never experienced the love of Christ in their heart because I promise you, once you experience the good news of the gospel and it's real in your heart and the spirit of the living God breathes on you, that everything changes. And it's good news. It's no longer something you're guilted to do, but it's something that you live out of. That, man, I want to love God because I now understand how much He's loved me. See, to be a Christian is this is to trust His ability on the finish, on the finished work of the cross, not my ability to measure up to it. Amen. You might want to take that one with you. Is that when we finally come to know Christ, it's not that we begin to do this. And if I could give a good illustration, is this is we're we're talking about a better story in this series, right? I want to tell you what works based righteousness looks like. Is that when you hear a better story, that God's got a better story for you. Immediately what you think is, all right, I've got to take my pen and start writing better, writing inside the lines, not doing these things, doing these things, not writing these things and doing these things. Let me tell you what a better story begins, where it begins, when you finally put the pen down. When you finally say, God, I've been writing this story, and I've not found anything of merit. God, in fact, I've placed my identity in church, church, I've placed my identity in how others see me. I've placed my identity in this relationship. God, I've placed my identity in drugs and alcohol. God, I've placed my identity in all these places to find what I was created for. And God, I just keep coming up empty. I keep writing lines and and it doesn't make any sense. Father, I don't know who I am and whose I am. God, if I woke up today and my life was over, what was it for? And one of the things that I love so much when God saved me is that, man, I had no purpose. And he gave me something to do. Amen. He knew what I was. I knew what I was waking up for. What I. What I was supposed to do, right? And that I was approved of by God, and my life is for Him, given to me freely, not by anything I've done, but what He did on the cross. Amen? And what I love so much, and I love our church is this, is that as people begin to be changed by the beauty of the gospel, what we're creating is a beautiful fellowship of people that love each other and that want to serve and that want to, to be a part of what God's doing here, not to earn God's love, because people are beginning to understand how they're loved by God. And it creates this community and fellowship that's just beautiful. Because I want you to look to your right and your left. You know who you see? A person that's dealing with sin. Broken. Hurting. That has all has sore spots we deal with. But the beauty of the cross is this. It's that we don't have to trust our ability. We continue to trust His ability. And I want to tell you, if your experience with church has been works-based, 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 I know it's misery because, see, here's the deal. You know, my, source, my sore spot of approval, achievement, is I grew up and, man, I thought the same thing with church life. Right? It's a, it's a beautiful recipe for disaster to try and earn, 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 earn. Earn. Better Christian. Better Christian. Becoming better. Becoming better. No, 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 no Christian. Hear this. You're at your very best when you're face down at the foot of the cross. You're at your very best. You're as good as you'll ever be before God. Right? And for so long, I kept trying to get the God, get the God, get to God, and when finally I heard the gospel and it changed my heart, I fell down and said, God, take the pen from me. I'm done. Lord, I've got to have you do something I know I could never do on my own. So you ask, well, how do I know? How do you recognize Christians? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Check this out. Um, I'm not going to put it on the screen, but in Matthew chapter 7, it says that we'll recognize believers by the fruit they bear. Hear that again. If you want to go look that up later, Matthew 7, 15 through 20. And it talks about this. It says, we'll recognize believers by the fruit they bear, not the works they produce. And what that means is this, is that as we begin to, to understand who we are in Christ and he begins to work on our heart, It looks like this, is that we're going to overflow with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that becomes more of who we are and lived out of our relationship with God and not the works we do. Amen? And that our faith will work because it comes from our faith and not from us. Amen? Amen? And see, the best indicator of where you're at with this, okay? The best indicator is not what you've done, what others see, but the best indicator in the truth of who you are and what your identity is, is you, God, in an empty room, right? That's the biggest indicator. And that no matter what you've done, the, the, the realness of God is it's an intimate relationship. It's one that I can stand before God and know like he, He's in relationship with me. He approves of me. And I want to tell you is that's the greatest indicator alright? Is what does it look like when it's just you, God, and alone? And I want to encourage you as this, and I want to tell you a little bit about our church. Okay? We've all been there. Some of us may be getting there for the first time. And before growing up, I remember when people, when, when the relationship with God, when something happened, it was like, oh, I wonder what they did. No, let me tell you something. Man, we're excited for you. And that I understand because I, I, I need Jesus every single day of my life and I need him to help me uncover my sore spots and to begin to trust his truth over the, the lies the enemy tells me. Amen? And so as we get ready and we, we begin to uncover sore spots in our life and some of you, the religion may be it, I want to tell you that each week we're going to continue to see what God's word says and how he can begin to write a better story for our lives. And so I want to ask this question today as we get ready to close and play, pray. Have you ever put the pen down? Has this life been a, a, a life of, of writing, of trying to write your own story, of paint your own picture, of do your own thing? And, and again, you know deep down in your heart that, man, this is where freedom's found. I want to tell you, there's people in here that have been praying for you before you ever got here. And man, we're about to celebrate like crazy that you would accept the free gift. Nothing you can do. Something only he could do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message of the gospel. Lord, it just stirs my heart up so much to know that that God, you you sent your son Jesus for the worst sinner. And Father, your word says that Christ is a stumbling block. Because Father, we're all level at the foot of the cross. No matter how far we think we might have come or maybe we've never understood and experienced the goodness of Christ. So Lord, I I just want to pray and encourage someone. If someone here today wants to trust Christ for the first time, I'm just gonna ask that they would lift their hand. Is that anybody here today? Want to come to know Jesus for the first time? Let me give you a second. Anyone else? Amen. God's good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the message of the gospel, Lord. God, I just pray right now that you would just begin to write a better story in our life. God, that we would live out of the gospel, not working for it. And Lord, that we would feel that hope. And God, we would uh, live in confidence of who you are and, Father, whose we are. Lord, we love you so much. I thank you for this time. For it's in your name we pray.